Good morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. We are grateful and thankful to be here on today. We welcome you to Destiny Church. Thank you. And we hope that when you walk through those doors this morning, you uh, felt loved, you felt welcome, and you realized that you came to the right place. For whatever reason you came today, you are actually in the right place. Even if you came with the wrong attitude, you made it to the right place. If you came with the heart of thanksgiving, you came to the right place. If you came with more than anything else expectancy, you are definitely in the right place this morning. So as we get ready to praise and worship on today, just remember, whatever you put out, that's what you're going to receive. So if you give him everything that is due, you're going to get back everything that he wants to give to you on this morning. Amen? Amen. So as we worship on today, we just ask you to open your hearts and minds to what it is that God has for you. I uh, posted something this week. Miss Ginger had posted something on Facebook, and I responded back to it to remind us that we're all on our way to becoming exactly what God wants us to be. But in order to become that, you have to give everything over to him. You can't hold anything back. This morning, remember that the Bible says, let everything that hath breath Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, we come this morning, Lord, with humble hearts, Father God, with open minds, with willing hearts, ready to serve, Father God, ready to receive. Lord, we come this morning with a heart of expectancy, Father God. We come, Father God, acknowledging that you are the God of all, that you are our Lord and Savior, Father God. We come putting you in your rightful place this morning, Lord. Father God, we put nothing else before you, Lord. We humble ourselves this morning, Father God, that we may be emptied out, that you may fill us up, Lord. We ask your presence to saturate this place so heavily, Father God, that when people walk out, we leave water on the floor spiritually this morning, Lord. Father God, just pour out into us this morning, Lord. We ask you, Father God, to use the uh, vocalists this morning, to use the musicians' hands, Father God, to touch the production booth, to touch everybody running that camera, Father God, to just bounce from wall to wall and heart to heart this morning, that we may be that city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden, Father God. Let us let our light so shine before men that they acknowledge that you live in us, Father God, and they don't even see us this morning, Lord. Father God, again, I'm reminded, Father God, of what Brother Daniel said. Lord, we ask everybody to check out this morning, Father God, and check in with the Holy Ghost on this morning, Lord. Father God, may we be all that you ask us to be on this morning, Lord. May we, Father God, know that, Father God, that in spite of us, Father God, you love us, Father God. May we recognize this morning, Father God, that we have never gone so far astray that you will not yank us back on this morning, Lord. So, Father God, in knowing that this morning, we pray that some man, woman, boy, or girl come running to be saved on today, Father God. Lord, we just pray right now, Father God, that this place will never, ever be the same after our experience on today, Father God. We are looking forward to such a high worship experience, Lord, that it'll be all we want to talk about on today. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask all these things. Amen. Oh. 
Precious is the flow. One, two, three, four. Why? 
you, Jesus. How many know there is power in the blood of the Lamb? And there is power in the name of Jesus. He's the name above all names. He is our all-sufficient sacrifice. And he paid a price for us with his blood. And I know all of you know this song this morning. I want to sing it. I want you to sing it from your heart this morning. And there is power. And I want you to believe that there is power in the name of Jesus. And he will break your chains of sickness, the chains of anxiety, the chains of depression. And we're going to believe this morning that chains will be broken in his name.
break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. Come on. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain.
Just keep it right here, God. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome here. chains on them, but they were chained some deep roots that need to be gone. And I believe God's breaking those chains this morning. Thank you, Hey, listen, we're not done worshiping our God. I just felt like we needed to pray just a little bit. I hope you're okay with praying in church. <laughs> hey, as Miss Rachel keeps playing, I want you guys right now to just open your hearts. We're going to just worship. And it may be something totally different than you're used to. You're probably like, some of you may be like, what's going on? But I want you to know that God is listening this morning. I want you to know that God has his ear tuned to us this morning. I want you to know that God knows exactly where you've been, but he's looking at where you're going. And where you've been isn't who you are, but where God is taking you is who you are. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. I want you to know this morning that you're beautiful and you're wonderfully made. And before you were a thought in your parents' head, God thought about you and God formed you in your mother's womb. And God has big plans for every single one of you. Hey, listen, this morning we're going to worship. We're going to continue to worship. But before we continue, I need your heart to be right. And this morning I need you to say with your mouth. This, this morning I want you to declare with your mouth. I want everybody to repeat after me. You guys repeat after me. Everybody say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. 
Say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come on, join me in prayer. Father God, right now this morning, in the name of Jesus, God, we enthrone you. God, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There was nobody higher and greater than you. God, we give you what you are due. You are powerful and awesome. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You are Jehovah Nisi. You are our banner, God. Oh, Adonai, you are awesome and mighty. There was nobody like you, God. Nobody like you, God. Come on, start to worship him wherever you're at right now. If you don't know what to say right now, start saying hallelujah. This morning, start saying holy. Come on, church. Holy God. Holy, yes. Yes, come on, worthy. Holy. Come on. Come on, lift up your voice. Don't let the enemy keep your mouth shut. You worship your God. Come on. Hey, hey, hey. Come on. Yes. Come on, where are my fearless warriors at? Where are my teens at this morning? Where are the children at this morning? Come on, kids. Come on. Worthy. church. Don't let the rocks cry out.
praise God. Woo. Can I get a big hallelujah in the house? Woo. Man, God is so good. Hey, listen, we love each and every one of you. Uh, take this moment to say hi to somebody you haven't seen in a long time or in a while. Go ahead and greet somebody. Love them in Christ Jesus. We'll be right back.
righty, all righty. I hate to break up the fun. This is one of my favorite parts of our service because you guys just love each other and like. But now get to your seats. All right. Go ahead and start to make your way to your seats. One day I'm going to do like the floor is lava, you know, 10, 9. It's going to be awesome, brother. It's going to be awesome. Check, check, whoa, okay, there we go. Hello. All right, guys, I think everybody's almost done sitting down. If not, they'll get the hint. Um, <laughs> so welcome to Destiny Church. My name is Pastor Kevin. I'm the associate slash, slash youth slash plumber and carpet cleaner. And whatever y'all need, I'm here for y'all, man. I love you guys. And just to let you know, I learned from the best. Uh, Pastor DJ was out there actually getting some cars in. He had his yellow vest this morning. We can't make him just stop volunteering. He just, he loves y'all too much. Y'all can give him a hand. Yeah. So I, I learned from the best, you know. Um, Pastor DJ is awesome. He's teaching me the ropes on how to serve. All right. So, all right. So I do have a couple of announcements before we continue. Uh, our number one announcement right now is the Company of Believers Night of Worship. Okay. That's right, Night of Worship, March 25th. I know we have a slide back there. Uh, there we go. So that's going to be March 25th, and it's going to be right here at 6.30 p.m. Um, so 6.30 p.m. right here, Friday night, uh, March 25th, Night of Worship. So it's going to be awesome. We're going to have a, another team coming in uh, and doing the worship, but it's going to be just as spectacular, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, we cannot wait. And so that next, um, I'm sorry, the following day, which is Saturday, the 26th, okay, we're going to be having like a conference out at the Living Waters property. And so the address will be there. Uh, we'll have a, uh, like a sign up or something like that, either on our website or the app. We'll, we'll figure that out, get that out there so we can push that to you guys. Uh, but it is men, women, and students, okay? Men, women, and students. So if you're interested, like I said, you can either talk to Miss Rachel. Miss Rachel, you want to raise your hand? You guys give her a hand. Come on. She's doing a lot of work with that, and so is Brother Bo. Uh, but you can talk to them, or you can just try to go on our website or our app. We'll try to get something out this week, uh, at least some info, some contact information, so that you guys can um, reach out. Uh, but it is uh, men, women, and students, okay? So don't forget if you want to bring your students as well. All right. Another awesome thing to note is that April 10th, go ahead and put that on your calendar. April 10th, we're going to be doing a Heart for the House uh, offering. Come on, somebody get excited. Some of y'all were like, oh, geez, no, not again. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, you guys are awesome. We know that. Um, but yeah, so Heart for the House is April 10th. Be ready. Get ready. Start to ask God, okay, what he wants you to give to, okay? And so we're going to have like a little list of things that the church needs. And if God moves on your heart, then we would love for you to, to give. Um, again, we're not twisting your arm, but there are needs, and so we're going to present them to you. And now you'll be, that'll be a, just an extra opportunity to go above and beyond, okay? Um, and so we'll get that uh, rolling, and we'll have that soon. Uh, but this week, this morning, 
uh, as we finish the service, you'll be able to give on your way out like we used to. The ushers will be at the door at the end of the service, okay? Uh, but before we continue, we have one last major item, and so uh, that is that it's Pastor DJ's anniversary, right? So I'm going to, that's right, three, uh, third year anniversary, we're going to invite Miss um, Ginger, one of our elders, and she's going to continue with this awesome celebration. Okay, I need the rest of the group to come on up, the elders and the trustees and the staff to come and join me so we can celebrate Pastor DJ and Julie. So if y'all will come up with us, yes, come on up. So like Kevin said, Pastor DJ is a great example of us of how to love others and how to serve. And so it's his third anniversary, and we don't want to let that go by without showing him how much we love him and appreciate him. And so we got a little goodie basket. We got everybody went in, and we got y'all some things so y'all can uh, snack and also have a great date night. So... But the main thing is that we just want you to know how much you're loved and appreciated. And Ron is going to come up and you want to say something? Okay. <laughs> Does anybody else want to say something before I turn it over to Ron? Okay. Ron's going to say a few words and then pray for us. And we want to pray a blessing over y'all. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, First, I want to say thank you for everybody who's been praying for my shoulder. It's working. Woo! Glory. Uh, I've got a scripture that's uh, been on my heart for, uh, gosh, a couple weeks, I guess. And it's from uh, Joshua, the first chapter. Uh, After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River and into the land that I, God, is about to give them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I thought I was louder than I am. <laughs> anyway, um, so, and he said, this is the land that I, meaning God, our Father, is giving them and us because we're all part of that. Uh, He's going to give it to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to the Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, and to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Glory. Because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, it makes us all that family. And nothing can stand against us. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I, again, that's God speaking, will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Courageous, the the way of saying that is to latch on to and, and know that you are stronger than anything this world can throw at you. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to give the ancestors to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all my law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from the left 
to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. That law was fulfilled by our Savior Jesus. So I interpret that as being keep Jesus right in there, in front of you, on your lips, in your heart. Have I not commanded you? God commands us to be strong and courageous because of who we are in Christ. Not on our own merit, but who we are in Jesus. Who? Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be there wherever you go. So to me, this is, like I said, this has been in my heart for a couple weeks. And I kept saying, well, God, have pastors say, well, Ron's got, or ask me or approach me or something, but it doesn't work like that. Brother Rick said it best last week. Us guys got to get up here and, and do our thing for Jesus. I love this couple here. <laughs> They're some great folks. And uh, I know that Pastor and Miss Pastor, <laughs> oh, Miss Jules, uh, I know that they are all the time in there praying, and they've got God's word on their lips and in their heart, and that's what directs them. And we appreciate that so much. They are great leaders. Uh, let's go to Daddy in prayer. Everybody stretch your hands. Father God, we just... Worship you, Lord. We give you honor and glory, Lord. You are sovereign, Lord. You are the almighty God, the ruler of heaven and earth, Lord. Father God, nothing's incredible and too impossible for you, Lord. And we just thank you so much, Lord, for your grace and your mercy that abounds in us every day, Lord. Father God, you make our streets straight and smooth, and you lighten the darkness for us, Lord, so we can see to go the right way. Father, we just ask for strength, wisdom, and courage, Lord for our pastors to lead us and to keep us going, Lord. Father God, while they're on their vacation, you watch after, put angels about them before their path, and on the way coming back, protect them, Lord, keep them safe, and give them the desires of their hearts, Lord, because they desire to please your heart, Father. And we just thank you so much, Father. I just pray for our whole church family that we can all watch after each other through prayer and just watching, just looking to see who needs something, Lord. We are family. And we just thank you so much in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. I have a mic again. <laughs> Brother Bo says I got 30 seconds times 20. Come on. Um, yeah. <sighs> I, can I tell you this, that I love you guys, for one. We love you guys, Jules and I do. But this team right here, you don't know how important it is to have people around you that, one, are honest, that are godly, that are truthful, and they speak into your life. And, uh, man, this is, this, this is the team that leads the church. So this is our family. Um, so I thank them. Uh, for, can we give it up for everybody that... And we're missing people. There was people not up here. I don't know where they went. But, uh, oh, we're so thankful that uh, this is going to come in really handy. We got a long drive, and, uh, you know, I, I lost a lot of weight, and now I get to give it, gain it all back in one drive. Um, but, yeah, 
it's uh, this is amazing. You know, they had to remind me this was three years. Um, you know, three years ago. Whew. Come on, Jesus. Just to see what Father's done in three years <laughs> is just absolutely amazing. I mean, there's still a, there's a big old oil stain right there. That's the one thing I never want to take up out of this church. You know, we want to redesign this and, and redo it. And, but I'm like, man, that oil stain is going to be gone. And every time my face hits that, it's just a reminder. Come on. How good he is. <laughs> and how he'll use you no matter what. Whether you think you're no good or not good enough, man. You just surrender to him. And uh, we're just thankful. We're going to miss you all. This has been, uh, I say, one of the longest weeks of our life. <laughs> and we saw everybody. We went to every small group. We're like, all right, what do you do now? They're like, we're here, we're like, okay, great, 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 and we couldn't miss service, but uh, yeah, we're going to be gone for a couple weeks, so we won't see everybody for a couple weeks, and we're just praying God gives us fresh vision, um, and just, just gives us time as a family to come together come and love on each other and love on Him, and man, I'm fired up, I'm ready to see it, and I'm just ready to get back here and share with you what God's been sharing with me, so it's going to be exciting, we thank you all so much, we love you guys, I know Brother Bo's been itching for five months to come up here and talk, so... Um, but yeah, I think we thank you all. We love you all. You want to say anything? No, thank you. Good. All right. We love you guys. <laughs> Proud of you. Love you, brother. Appreciate you. Come on. Come on, y'all. That's so awesome. When I started making my schedule coming back online from everything that happened with me physically, um, and I was working the dates out with Brother DJ. You know, we just picked a date that lined up with what I wanted to do, and he gave me that date. We, we, what, we had no idea until later when Mama Jules sent, sent us a message. Did you know that's the through? And then somebody's supposed to come in. So I, man, I didn't have a clue. I'm telling you, so wonderful walking with Jesus and just following him and trusting him and inside of, of the humanity that we wear, but you still are just being guided in and out of life and, and you're, you're just walking into works that he prepared for you to walk in before the foundation of the earth and you're not even efforting to do it. And you just look up and you're like, wow, he planned that day, that moment in this way before the foundations of the earth. And I was just, you know, smart enough to not be dumb enough to mess it up. And you don't even realize you're, it's not even you're being spiritual. You're just trying to hear God and follow God. And, and most times you, you're in these situations. It's not that you've you, you got some voice from, from heaven you know, guiding you as you, you do these things. But you just have a heart to follow him. And he's taking you where he wants you to be. And, and that should bless, it blesses me. It blesses me. Um, love you guys. Super excited about today. Y'all get your Bibles in Hebrews 5, 13. I have been waiting for a while to share this um, with the family here and everywhere else. And I'm going and visiting all our different families, y'all, that we're walking with. And, uh, and I'm sharing this because it's something that God is speaking now to the church. Uh, and it doesn't matter if it's our church families that we're all walking with together. But everywhere that people are going after God, I heard uh, Chris Mathis, a friend of ours, say the other day, uh, when he was starting church, I was watching his service, and he, he just said, there is just a revival of righteousness. Right. 
all over. And, and it is so true. I cannot open my Bible and read without God just drowning me with the truth of the righteousness of Christ. And that is so exciting to me. And, and it's, it's one of the most needed things in our family here, specifically in this house. What I'm about to talk about today, it is what we need to hear as a family right now. If I was never going to preach here again, I wouldn't preach anything else but what's about to come out of my mouth. Because it's what God wants you to hear. It's what Father wants us to get a revelation on. And, you know, a lot of times we need to hear it spoken and spoken in, in faith and under the anointing for it to actually become revelation for us and something we actually can move in and see functioning in our life. And, uh, love you girls. Uh, I'm going to read in the, the Passion Translation this first verse. It says, For every spiritual infant who lives... I'm a little hot up here, y'all. I'm ringing just a touch, Brother Ruth. For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. Man, I, I, I love this verse and this translation because the King James is very poorly translated. And it just does not do justice to what Father's trying to speak. It is a bad translation, this verse. And, and uh, not saying that to hurt anybody's feelings. It's just, you know, it is. In the New King James, I'll just read it to you. I don't think they'll put it up. They might. But it says, uh, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled. Is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And in those words, in the way that comes out, you lose the actual context of what Father's trying to say. Because God's not interested in how skilled you are in righteousness. Because Isaiah said, your righteousness on its very best day are as filthy rags. And, and that word filthy, it means minstrel. Bloody rags. You're, so you're, your best attempt to be righteous Apart from God, that's what it looks like. So you can't get skilled enough in righteousness on your own accord to make much of a difference. I didn't say those words Isaiah did. And I can imagine just as, as crude as that sounds to you, I can only imagine what it sounded like when he said that to his people. There's a lot of words I like to use instead of the ones I just did. But most of you would shut down and not listen no more. But that's what the man of God said when he stood before the nation of Israel and told them these things. And he did it on purpose because he was trying to get them to come alive and get a revelation of something they had yet to grasp because they thought if I can just do one more rule right, if I can just dot one more I and cross one more T, then maybe God will accept me. Or then maybe God will smile on me. Or then maybe I'll find a place, you know, at least as a doorman in the, in the temple of God. You know, when, when the psalmist wrote that, the sons of Korah wrote that psalm, I just, it's better to be a doorman in the house of God than, than dwell in the tents of the wicked. You know, that, that's true. That's not, that's not true. But I'm not looking to be a doorman. I've got a better promise. And the better promise that I have received is that I've got a seat at the right hand of Father in heaven forever. I'm not going to stand in the door. I'm sitting down next to Daddy. And I'm bumping you out of the way. 
Do you understand? That's the promise that we have received. And the only way that's possible isn't because we're going to learn how to do this thing good enough that God finally lets us in. It's only going to be possible because we're pierced by the revelation of the righteousness of Christ that now dwells in us and makes us holy before God. And until that happens, you know what you are if you've yet received a revelation of righteousness? You're a babe. You're a baby. And I'm not saying that in a a derogatory tone to anybody. There's stages of growth. And Paul says, I want to give you meat, but you're still drinking milk. I still got to confirm you and reaffirm you again that God loves you. And just because you didn't do everything perfect that I laid out for you as, as good, I got to come right back behind you and pick you up and make you, make you sure that Jesus still loves you. And I have to keep treating you like you're in diapers. Instead of you getting your own revelation of the righteousness of God that dwells in you. Paul, he wrote in, in Galatians chapter 4, I, I like, he says that, you know, even though an heir is the owner of everything, when he's a, this is a translation, Bo, when he's heir of the kingdom of everything, when he is an, a babe, same word, when he is a child, when he is an infant, even though he's owner of everything, master of all, he's, there's no distinguishing him from a slave. Because he hasn't grown up to a place of maturity. And Paul wasn't trying to convince the Galatians that they need to get more of the rules right so they can have access to all of the promises of God. He was trying to tell them, you have got to get a revelation of righteousness and understand who you are in God. Because God says you're this. Not because you figured out how to do better at the rules than the person next to you. And since you're farther along in doing rules than they are, then you've got to be mature and they're immature. That's religion. That's law. In Genesis, you, you, you go to Acts, or Genesis 15, you find, you find Abraham. He's been walking with God for 10 years now. Supernatural encounters with the Lord. Walks 1,400 miles with his family to go to a place he's never seen. Just because somebody he... He saw in a vision a God from heaven came and spoke to him. This guy's got something going on with his father. But ten years into that, God comes to him and wants to make a covenant with him because he finally reaches a place of maturity. But when you look at at Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, just listen to it. And he believed in the Lord. And he, who's he? God, Yahweh. And Yahweh, Father God, accounted it to him, to who? Abraham, for righteousness. I've read and preached that. I taught here last year for weeks about Abraham, and I didn't see this until the other day. Man, I'm, I'm driving Rachel crazy. Uh, God, you know, I haven't been preaching until I'm just sitting there for hours all day, just with my Bible and Jesus. And, and I'm just, I keep trying to tell her, and she doesn't listen. She's like, I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> But I read the other, you leave that verse up there for me, please, if you don't mind, because I'm going to talk about it for a minute. 
I, I've preached this. I, you know, I've, I believe it. But the other day when I, when I really just stopped and just studied it out and did a word study on the verse, man, it, this thing just came alive in a whole different way. And uh, it says, and he believed in the Lord, and it accounted to him for righteousness. I always read that, and it's not that it's wrong, but it's not the fullness of, of, of what God wants us to understand from this. You know, it was always, to me, it was like he believed God, believed in what God said, believed in God, believed what God was telling him. He finally surrendered and believed, and so God gave him some credit. It's like he gave him a credit of righteousness. He said, all right, you believe, I'm going to give you a credit of righteousness that's good enough to get you in. And that's just kind of how I read it, and, 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 and it was powerful, but that is not the entirety of what Father is trying to express to us in that one simple verse. I mean, look, it, it, it says believe. That word in Hebrew is aman. It's a primitive root, and it means properly to build up or support, to foster as a parent or a nurse. But listen, figuratively, to render. <coughs> to render. Now, I looked up that word render. First thing popped up on my Google, Oxford Learner's Dictionary. It says, to call somebody or something to be in a particular state or condition. Okay? So, when Abraham believed what he did, he rendered himself to the Lord and the word of the Lord in such a degree that it changed the state of his very being. He didn't just believe. He believed to the point it changed the very essence of who he was. And you know, it says over in James that devils believe, demons believe and tremble. But they keep being demons. There's some of you in here that believe in Jesus, but you ain't believed to the point that it has produced a change in your life. And that's not me trying to put you down. It's me telling you that there is something that has to happen in you called the transformation of Christ. When you believe, something changes in you. And you know, it ain't got nothing to do with you. Your only part is that you believe. That you render. That you quit resisting what Father has been trying to tell you since the moment you came out the womb. And you finally just surrender to what he's saying. And when you do that, man, it gives him permission to do what he's always wanted to do. It's the next part of this that sets me on fire. And you can already see I'm excited. It accounted, and he accounted, God accounted it. Yahweh accounted it to him for righteousness. That word accounted right there. That's awesome. It's kashab, primitive root. And this is what it means. Properly to plate, like with hair. Uh, braid, yeah. I was looking for Amara. Amara, yeah. She was out there braiding Jesse's hair before church, interweaving the lock until it was beautiful and it formed something awesome. And you couldn't tell where one began and the other one ended. See, when you really render yourself to the Lord and you render yourself to what He's saying. To you and about you. Because see, he wasn't just making broad statements like Jesus came to save the world. Whoever believes on him, he'll be saved. No, he told Abraham, I am. He told him, I am for you. 
your treasure. I'm your shield. This is who I am to you, Abraham. And then he took him outside and showed him the stars, and he said, I'm going to give you so many descendants, it's going to be more than the stars that you can see that you can't even number. See, he wasn't making a general statement that Abraham fell into agreement with. God put him in a corner, and he said, Bob, but you're going to listen to me, because this is who you are to me, and this is who I am to you, and I need you to finally surrender to that. And when he did, God gave him a covenant, brought him into a, a level of maturity where he could walk with him. That word accounted, man, when you look at that thing and see, God gave his righteousness to Abraham in such a way that it wasn't like a, a credit or a ticket that he could punch to get into the club. He took the very essence of who he is, father, and he weaved it into the fabric of Abraham. Standing right there in the desert by himself. In one split nanosecond, Abraham was transformed and he was, he was mixed with the righteousness of God. And you couldn't tell where Abraham started and God ended. Or where God started and Abraham ended. Are you kidding me? They became one. This ain't an Old Testament teaching. This is a word of the living God for eternity teaching. See, we, 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 we don't have a problem, most of us, with believing that if I believe, and I believe in the way you're saying, Bo, that we get in. You know, God, he lets that righteousness get us in. It's what comes afterwards that we struggle with. Because we think that got us in, but now I bear a responsibility to keep myself in. But let me just help you. If you couldn't work yourself in, you're not going to work yourself to stay. Okay, you, you can't do it. Impossible. You're going to wear yourself out. You're going to end up hating yourself and hating God and hating everybody else around you. Because you're never going to do enough to stay. Go to the New Testament. Man, see, this, this is life that we need in this house. We have got to mature. And that don't mean I need you to go to more Bible studies. That's awesome. I don't need you to be in more small groups. That's awesome. I don't need you to memorize more verses. That's awesome. I don't need you to serve in more areas of the church. That's awesome, too. That's not what we need for you to mature. We need you to get a revelation of the righteousness of God that dwells in you now. Because when you do, everything about your life changes. And in reality, it's already changed. You just keep refusing the truth of God that he's speaking to you out of this word. And you resist it consciously or subconsciously. And you're always in this internal struggle that never lets you come into the fullness of what God has told you is yours to possess. And it just seems like a sham, and, a, and, a, and it's just like a hoax, and it's only for the better people, of which you're never in that better people crowd when you're honest with yourself. I don't think I'm in the better person crowd. Boy, I, I wholly am relying on Jesus. Oh, come on, y'all. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21. 
because this is the way Paul wrote it. This is how Paul was pierced with the revelation of righteousness. He, he was as religious as they got. He was more zealous than all of his countrymen. Man, he was more advanced in the teachings of the law than anybody else around him. He, he was the guy. Man, he was, he was doing everything he could to do all of the rules. And when people started believing in Jesus and began to say, I'm a son of God and Jesus has cleansed me and I am right there with Father, man, that drove him insane because he was doing all of the rules better than everybody else and inside he felt like I'm never going to get close to God. And he did what all religious people do when they see other people celebrating the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that now dwells in them. He tried to kill them. Because it ain't right that you get to go all the way to the lap of the Father without going through all these rules that I'm trying to go through and can't get right. How do you get to bypass that? And so they try to pull you back down into the same bondage that they're a slave to. No. When Jesus came to Paul, and when he was saw on that road and put his face in the dirt, Man, it wasn't a 10-year period for him to get right with God. It was, okay, what do you want me to do, Lord? And that was done. And he got up and began to do the will and the work that God had always intended for him. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we, that you, say me, so that I, could become the righteousness of God. Just stop right there. So that I could be the righteousness of God. You're looking at it right here. I am the righteousness of God, and I don't care if you like that or not. You go take it up with Father. Because when I look at you, you know what I see? The righteousness of God. I ain't looking at you like you're looking at yourself in the mirror. I'm not thinking about how you screwed up before you got to church today or the things you did that you shouldn't have, the words that you let out of your mouth. I'm not looking at you like that. I'm looking at you like Father has taken his righteousness and woven it into who you are. And I, I can't really separate that. It's illegal for me to try to. You know what Paul said about himself? He's starting all these churches doing all these amazing things preaching the gospel and all of a sudden he's got critics everywhere and people are calling him the antichrist and people are saying this about him and all the different things that go along with, with trying to, to, to lead Paul just cut it off he says I don't even judge myself I, I don't even judge myself there's one who's going to judge me on that day and that ain't today so I ain't going to try to defend myself to you I won't even judge myself because he understood it's the righteousness of Christ that sets me apart. It's not that I preach. It's not that I pray. It's not that I read my Bible. It's not that I go to this church or that church or sing or serve. It's that he is woven in to the fabric of who I am. And the only thing I can say I did is believe. And you know what? That is so amazing 
because it doesn't give any place for boasting in me and it don't matter how far I get down this road it don't matter how much I can do or miracles I see or whatever you want to throw in there it's irrelevant because it'll always just be as filthy rags apart from Christ and the only thing I can rest on that will give me joy and peace in that moment when I see God face to face is that I know he's looking at Jesus when he sees me because I have become the righteousness of God in him. See, until we begin, I mean, and these are not new verses to people that have been in church for any amount of time. It's not like you ain't ever heard this or read this or even shouted and hallelujah. But until you really believe that and take yourself out of the seat of judgment against yourself, you never can mature. And that is the biggest obstacle. To us becoming who God says we are is that we always want to climb up into the seat of judgment against ourselves. We should learn from Paul and not judge ourselves. I don't. They do, Brother DJ said. Y'all, I. Just, just everything I see now is just speaking to this because it's what God wants to say. Because He wants us to understand. Man, He wants. Do you understand how much Father wants us to grow up mature so we can go with Him into every plan and every facet of creation that He that He that He's been waiting for us to get to. You know, I, I remember when my kids were real little, and and you know. One of the coolest things about me getting to do what, what I've done, you know, being a missionary in Mexico and going to the village, one of the most awesome things for me as a daddy was to be able to take my kids with me. I mean, we weren't like insane people, but it wasn't like I, I was abandoned because we were always together. Man, one of the greatest gifts of God I have ever received was to walk with my kids every day. And do you know what was what was so exciting when you're looking at these babies and they got diapers on and you you know it's just not reality to take them by yourself hiking and all you know and, and without mom and all of those things it's just like you're looking at them hey, and it ain't because I can't change diapers I am not a scared of poop not not a scared at all. Lots of stories just came, I should not say. But, you, you know, I, I would be looking, especially at the boys and Phineas and Moses and Amos and Dot, especially in the very beginning, and all I wanted was them to get to a place of maturity where they wouldn't pee on themselves so I could take them to church. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have to stop what I was doing to, to go change their clothes. That they could eat their bowl of food that they would give them if they went with them. That they would be able to sit, you know, while I preached without burning the hut down. <laughs> and that was an obstacle. <laughs> Do you understand that I was anticipating way more than they were for them to hurry up and grow up because I wanted them to be part of what I was doing. I wanted them by my side all of the time. I wanted them to walk with me into places that other men had not gone with the name of Jesus. I wanted them to see things that other people, I wanted them there. And the only thing that was keeping that from happening was maturity. And the minute I saw it, even if it might have been a little bit short, I took them. 
Because that's my desire as a father for the children that I, I wanted and made. And if that's my desire, innate desire put in me by Father God, how much greater is his desire towards you? Man, I'm telling you, he's got things for you that he's just holding and he's just like, please come on. Not learn how to be better, learn how to believe more. Just surrender to the truth I'm trying to get you to understand. And quit thinking that if you get a little bit righter, I can actually receive you in a higher level. You can level up if you can do better. You're never going to do good enough. It's foolishness. Isaiah in chapter 6, and this I don't think is in the notes, but Isaiah chapter 6, you find the man of God, the prophet of God, who's already got five chapters in the Bible prophesying to a nation, chosen by the Lord. And he has this amazing encounter with God. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses for you. In Isaiah, he's looking, at, he's looking at God on his throne, in his glory, in his majesty, in his beauty, with angels, and just everything that you could imagine if you got a glimpse into the room. And, and, and Isaiah says out of his mouth, Woe is me, for I am undone, <coughs> because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, and then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it. And he said, Behold, this has touched my lips. This is the angel talking. This is what the angel tells him. After he touches his lips with this coal, he says, Your iniquity, iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. You know, I've preached this, and, and I don't think I've preached it necessarily wrong, but I certainly see it. Thank you, Brother James. I certainly see it in a different way now. When I was reading this, and because there's lots of verses that were coming to me about Isaiah out of this, this mindset of the righteousness, you, you know what I begin to think is a very real possibility, and since I'm the one talking, y'all get to hear it, <laughs> whether you agree or not. I think every time that the Lord visited him, that's what he felt like. Hi, I got unclean lips. I might be better than the people out there because they really got unclean lips. But every time he was in the presence of the Lord and the word of the Lord came to him, he felt like he just confessed here in chapter 6. Never quite good enough, never clean enough, never, never right enough. And I believe that that was something he, he was dealing, very possible that he was dealing with eternally. And, and I think that, it, it, and it's so often I can relate to this in my own personal life. You know, you, you feel that way, but you know, God's still good and I still, and you just have this, and you know, when you have a burning desire, and I'm not talking to people, you don't care about God and you don't care about doing what God wants. And that's some people in here and everywhere. And, and I'm not talking to you. But there are other people that, that really have a hunger and a desire to walk with God and to want to be close and to want to do right and to want to see him. and want, They want to please him with the very essence of their being, man. And the harder they try, the more evident it gets they're never going to get there in the degree that they think they're supposed to be. And it brings this, this condemnation and, 
and, and you don't quit and you don't you don't back up and you don't go off into sin, but you always are right there with the voice of the accuser in your ear saying, yeah, you might prophesy, but you know how dirty them lips are. Oh, yeah, you might sing, but you know. And then the devil's over here saying, oh, well, you might preach, but hey. Or you might, you know, you might be doing this or you might be doing that. Well, you might be going to church every Sunday, but. And the voice of the accuser is always right there doing his job accusing you and, and it's almost like this incident this whole situation that happened with the angel it's like God it was like a ceremonious ceremoniously it was ceremoniously done for Isaiah's benefit of like it's representative in reality that I think that was already accomplished in the life of Isaiah because of his heart and his desire for God he just didn't know it and it's like God put on this whole big presentation so Isaiah would get the freaking point. You're clean because I have made you clean. And he went through this big exaggerated scenario with the cold touches. I mean, this whole symbolic thing that, that it matters. And it's almost like, Father, this was done way back. It's like baptism. You're not saved when you get baptized. You're saved when you believe. But you know what? In some cultures, like in Mexico where we're at and other cultures around the world where you're, you're raised in other religions and different... Man, that getting in that, that water, that's a big deal. It wasn't a big deal to me when I got born again because I wasn't coming out of something else. You believe? Yeah, I believe. Well, you're supposed to get back to that. What is that? Well, you know, that's it. It wasn't a big deal to me. It was right that I did it, but it didn't carry that weight to me. When I went to Mexico and saw other people coming out of, out of other religions, they knew they could say they believed and they could believe in their heart, but until they got into that water, they didn't really think they were born again. And you see all of a sudden a real struggle in somebody's, in their inner self, because they realize this is the step. But it really wasn't. It was the act of obedience. It was the manifestation of their belief. And Isaiah was already serving the Lord. I don't think this is when he got clean. I think he got clean when he believed. But this is what God did so he would get the revelation of righteousness. That he now was clean because God touched his lips. God did something in him that he could not do for himself. And I believe he carried that the rest of his life. And every time the accuser came to him, he... Was he, he was able to silence the voice of the enemy because the enemy would say, but yeah, you're, he, no, no. Do you not remember them coals? That coal? I can still feel it on my lips. I'm clean because he told me I was clean and I saw the coal touch my lips. Me and you got nothing else to talk about. See, when you have that revelation of righteousness, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you're able to stand not on your own strength or your own merit or your own rules that you're getting right. You're able to stand on what God has declared about you, to you, and about who you are. And when you have that, you need nothing else. It stands by itself. Jesus needs no help. Not even a little bit. 
Man, and I am not telling you that you don't bear responsibility for what you've received. I'm not telling you that you're free to go out and, and do what you want and it's all going to work out. I'm not telling you. John told him the axe is laid at your roots. Fruit better come forth. Brother DJ talked about fruit a few weeks ago. And you know, and I, I was telling him, I got excited because I was looking at this the other day and, and I told him last night, I, you know what the, the, the truth is? You can't be in Jesus and not bear fruit. It's impossible. You cannot be in Jesus and not bear fruit. You might not be showing a whole lot right now. You might need some pruning. You might need some branches hung up so it gets off the ground, some plagues don't get on you. You might need some things happening, but you cannot be in Jesus and not bear fruit. It is impossible. It's impossible. You know how much I'm worried about bearing fruit? Zero. You know what I'm worried about? Just believing and abiding in Jesus. Fruit just happens. There's a fruit is what is produced when you are directly connected to him. I don't have to go out and labor. I don't have a 10-year plan how to have more fruit. I'm not concerned on how to be a better person today. You know what I'm concerned with? Just believing what he's telling me. Because I have come to find out that produces in itself. All right. Don't get rowdy yet. I didn't mean rowdy. Don't get, don't, don't get rambunctious I'm not because I'm not done. Y'all, brother Kevin, he's worried that the kids are going to starve to death. <laughs> I told him, I said, I, you know, I ain't going to be short today probably. And he's like, I need to get pizza for the kids. And I'm like, man, I didn't think I'm going to be that long. <laughs> and so it was funny. In Isaiah 59, I want to read this to you. It's a pretty amazing chapter, chapter 59 in Isaiah. Uh, the end part of it, to me, is a little bit difficult. I, I, this ain't on my notes either, y'all. The end of it's a little bit, it gets a little bit twisted up in there, and they didn't do a good job. I, I don't know how to say this right. To me, the, it's not properly expressed in the order that it should be. And I don't, I don't know if it's from, I don't know. It's just not. But in the first couple of verses of that chapter, Isaiah is, is making a declaration that, that's really awesome. I mean, he just basically says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Okay, that's, that's what we're starting off with in this chapter. The Lord's hand is not shortened. It's not short that it cannot save. It can reach you. It can reach them. It can reach anybody, anywhere. There ain't nobody outside of that grass. There ain't nobody beyond that. There's nobody too dirt. There's none of that. Okay? That's what Isaiah starts off declaring because he has been experienced and been pierced with the revelation of righteousness for himself. So he can speak now in a place of authority because he walks in understanding that he didn't have before even though he prophesied. The next few verses, it gets a little depressing, honestly. I'm not going to read them. Because he begins to talk about how the sins of the people have separated, themselves, have separated them from the face of God. And God can't hear you. And 
Man, everybody's a liar, everybody's this, and you know, it's true. It's true, it's pretty depressing. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, he lays out this list of things of what those sins are that have separated people from the face of God. But then, towards the end of the chapter, he, he, there's a change in there. And he begins to talk about a group of people that want to get to the light but can't seem to find their way out of the darkness. They want to find the door and they're groping around like blind people but they can't find it. They want to be right. They just can't seem to find their way into right enough. And he just begins talking about that for a few verses. And it's really amazing because what he's doing, he's, he's, he's showing that there, even though there's this, this, this rebellion against God going on, there's still people who are trying to find the Lord, but they're, they don't know how to get there. You, know, you, you read about it in Acts 10 about a man named Cornelius. This guy understood God was real. And he had a revelation of God. He just didn't understand how to access him. And he was giving money to the poor. He was praying all the time. He walked in humility. He was doing right with his neighbors. Everybody recognized him as that man. But you know what? None of that gets you to God. But God did take notice of the desire of his heart. He saw, this man wants me. I'm, I'm loud again, and I don't know if it's me, but I'm burning up here. Um, he... God took notice of him because God takes notice. His eyes are roaming to and fro throughout the land, the Bible says, looking for who he can show himself strong for. You understand? God's on a mission for somebody who wants him. And when he finds you, man, watch out. And, and, and Isaiah right there, you know, he, he's laying this all out and he gets to, to chapter 15 and it says, and the truth fell, <coughs> and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that, that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. What didn't Father like when he saw the situation? Let me tell you what I think this is saying. God's looking at the people trying to find him, trying to find their way out of darkness into light, looking for a doorway to him. He sees him looking and not being able to find it, and he could not tolerate that. He did not like that. And so he personally looked around, just like John said, there was nobody found worthy to take the scroll. Well, he looked around and said, there ain't nobody who can make a door from them to me. So I'll do it myself. And his name is Jesus. And that's awesome. But it's that last part of that verse that we need to let get woven into the very fabric of how we think about ourselves. It says, since he all, it says, and his own righteousness, it sustains him. It's so confusing how it says that. But let me tell you who he's not talking. God don't need sustaining. We do. So, you know, God gets you in. His righteousness is woven into you. And you are allowed to be born again and become a son and daughter of God. But you know what keeps you as a son and daughter of God forever? His righteousness sustains you for eternity. Nowhere in this equation... 
is your works required for you to be righteous? Now, if you are righteous, you know what your works will look like? Righteousness. So don't think this is a permission for sin. I personally feel like right now in my life today where I'm standing, I'm walking in the greatest degree of freedom I have ever known. And I do less in labor towards that area than ever before. That's truth. Man, when I came out of the hospital for being in there 10 days and having that whole situation and almost dying, supposedly, I never thought I was dying. But you, I come home, you know, I can't do anything. And my body's jacked up. My mind's all messed up from the trauma and the drugs. You know, when I came home, I'm thinking, all right, man, I'm home three months. This, man, I'm fixing to lock away in a closet and be with God. And this is, this is a gift. Because that's, that's what I like. My wife and my kids know I'm happiest sitting in my chair with my Bible and my notebooks and getting up to go to the bathroom. That, that's, what, that's what I enjoy to do. But you get home, I got home, and, and my mind was just so, it wouldn't function. I couldn't think. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't, certainly couldn't read the Bible. Very quickly realized I can't even pray. Praying in tongues didn't work. Because my mind just couldn't lock on to anything just because of everything that happened and because of all the dope I was taking, and it was good. <laughs> because I didn't feel nothing until I quit taking drugs. And then all of a sudden... This, this was bad. <laughs> uh, I'll be telling DJ, I mean, I'm three miles a day. You know, and I was taking my drugs all day long, like, like I was supposed to. But I thought, I'm going to wean myself off night, and all of a sudden, I don't feel so good. But, you know, the effect it had on me physically, and, and I don't want to say really necessarily spiritually, but it, it, I couldn't do anything. And within a couple of days, really a day, I realized I can't do nothing except do go for a walk, and then I'm done physically. I can't really have a conversation with anybody because my mind won't last that long. I can sit in this chair and watch TV. And for a month, I sat in the chair and watched TV. And that was all I was good for. But you know, inside of just sitting there and not praying, I can tell you, I don't remember ever since I've been born again that I've gone that long without reading or praying. I mean, like a couple days. And I, I don't like that because it's what I enjoy. I enjoy being with Jesus. But I, after, after a minute or so, I understood that Father was teaching me uh, many things. And one of the biggest things he was teaching me, he said, I don't need you to pray. Me and you, we're good. I don't even need you to read your Bible. We're good. I need you just to realize you never have to do another thing for me except sit here with me, and I will be happy. And, and I, I didn't feel pressure to do those things. I wanted to. But Father just invaded that very thought, that thought process and said, you don't have to do anything to be good with me. We are right. And it, it became a very enjoyable month to the degree that I wasn't stressed out because I wasn't praying or I wasn't doing this or wasn't preaching. I actually relaxed and let my body heal. And I came out of that realizing, you know, I don't have to do anything for him to smile on me. Because when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. And it releases you from the, the need to perform and do one more thing. So maybe I can get a little bit closer. Maybe. And you just get free. 
But what that does, doesn't, it, it doesn't produce this release from responsibility to, to, to look like God or produce fruit like God. It takes the burden off of you and it just begins to flow because you draw closer to him because you realize there's no rejection in this relationship. Man. And see, this is where religion has come in, in a lot of y'all who have grown up in church. This is a real struggle because religious spirits come in and they try to rob the very truth of God from you and keep you in a place of bondage. They might not be able to keep you out of the arms of Jesus, but it definitely wants to keep you out of a place of maturity of walking with Father. Because if you're immature, you can't do the things God intends for you to do, not to the degree that he's purposed. And so the spirit tries to keep you bound up, needing a bottle all the time. You know, in Genesis, when you, you look at it, and this is from the beginning. This ain't, we're not new. We ain't special. This is, this is human nature apart from God. When Adam and Eve sinned, <coughs> they had this relationship going with God, intimate, awesome. They disobeyed God. What is the first thing they did? They tried to cover themselves. The next thing they did is they went and hid. They hid behind the very trees of the forest of the garden where God had put them. And see, what happens is, is that when you do sin and disobey God, the devil comes and shame tries to attach itself to you. And when shame is allowed to have its work, this is what it produces. It causes you to try to cover something up you never can cover up. And then it convinces you to go and run and try to hide yourself because you hear the voice of Father. And you actually think that the right thing to do is to get away and hide from him because when he sees you, he's going to be so disgusted that it's going to be a horrible punishment or rejection. So it's better that I just hide. You don't leave the church. You don't leave the kingdom. You just try to hide among the trees. And see, I hate that because I have learned that when I make a mistake, if I sin against God willfully, that the best thing I can do is stand right there where he was the day before and just let him see it. But religion tells you you're no good now and you're rejected and all of a sudden the righteousness of Christ is just not sufficient for you and what you just did. So you better go try to fix it yourself and cover it up. You better serve somewhere in the church or give more money in the offering or, or you know, try to wear some better clothes or whatever it is you think is going to hide your sin from the one who sees. And God's, you know what's so amazing about that story is that there's only two people, there's only, there's only, in that three-person equation there, God, Adam, and Eve, there's only one that never changed, and that was God. Where was Father? The moment after they sinned, in the same place he'd always been. He didn't hide from them. He didn't go hide in the trees. He didn't quit coming. He showed up to the same place he had met with them every day since he put them there with the same purpose in his heart. But they changed. He didn't. He was the same loving, good father as he was the day before they messed up. But the accuser is always in the air saying, you've done it now. That was a good run while you had it. But you're finished. 
He'll never look at you the same. And he tries to convince you that you have no hope. And you don't. The hope that we have is Jesus. Look, <coughs> it's kind of funny and it's lighthearted, so I'll use this. But we were at a football game this past year at Mar Marbury. And every Friday night, you know, we're there. Brother DJ, Brother Peter Wilcox, and, you know, Brother Daniel Aaron family. And there's a lot, we're all piled up in there watching the boys and the kids play and the band and all that kind of stuff. And this particular weekend, I had couple of our really close friends missionary families with us in Mexico been there since the beginning we're, we're, we're all the same and these two guys are brothers fleshly brothers as well as in the Holy Ghost and uh, they're from uh, they're from uh, West Little Rock got born again in jail I mean they, these guys they were thugs without Jesus <laughs> and so we get along good <laughs> and uh, and we and we we're, we've been through so much together it's our relationship is raw and we're always just jabbing each other and trying to make each other manifest. I mean, we, we, it is, most people would not think we were saved. <laughs> and uh, we were at this football game, and we're watching the boys, and, you know, really cool. Our Morris is, you know, playing, and, and, you know, he'd never played before 10th grade. He comes up here, you know, by the time some practice over, he starts 10th grade. He didn't even know how to put his hand down or nothing. But somehow or another, he got convinced that part of playing football means you had to get a 15-yard personal foul every game. <laughs> well, he's only convinced that you're not really playing if that doesn't happen. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. And in this particular game, he's, he's doing what he does, you know. And, but he's playing with somebody who probably felt the same way. And so you can see them. They're cheap-shotting each other after almost every play. I mean, it, it's getting rough. And all of a sudden, I'm almost cheap-shots this kid. And it was... It made me blush. I was like, oh, God. And we were sitting in front of the press box, and the coaches from the other team, they go above the press box on the roof of the press, bo the press, press box, and, you know, they're calling in plays and stuff to the other side. And, and so the coach up there from the other team, when he sees that cheap shot, I mean, the whole crowd loses it. But the coach just starts screaming and yelling. Throw that blankety blank out there. I mean, you know, but the problem is that's my son. <laughs> and I just saw what that kid did to him the play before. And, and I'm telling you, it was so quick. That coach, I mean, and, you know, with reason, but it's still my son. And he erupted and screaming. And before I knew it, I was turned around in the seat, and I was screaming right back at him. And, you know, y'all, you, when I decide I want to be hurt, I, I get hurt. And, you know, the whole stadium stopped because it went, it went there. And we're, he's a coach. I'm down here surrounded by other preachers and pastors and missionaries. <laughs> Everybody in that audience of that football team know all these kids grew up on the mission field. Their dad's a preacher. And, da, da, da. and I am in a full-on screaming match like a lunatic. And my friends from Mexico, they're just agging me on. <laughs> and Rachel, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Rachel is like, in that soft, sweet Bo, Bo, you're witness. Bo, you're witness. And I'm ignoring her. Because I've done went somewhere I, just, I don't ever go. Because I know once I make those steps, it's hard to bring it back. And Rachel, the whole time, she's just going, but you're witness. Bo, you're witness. 
And I finally got it calmed down enough in my, the rage that was trying to come up. Man, and I sat there for a minute. Oh, man, oh, my gosh, you are so dumb. What are you saying? You know, and, and those thoughts, and, and you, all of a sudden this, and, and it's just like, I, that's, this is not who I am. Why am I acting like this? That's who I used to be, but that's not who I am anymore. And I sat there for a few minutes, and really, you know, I, and I was like, this, this ain't who I am. And so I waited until there was a lull in the game, and as soon as there was, I just turned around with the same intensity and loudness of before when I was screaming like a moron. I turned around and yelled, Coach, I'm sorry, forgive me. Shouldn't have been yelling, whatever, how it came out. But, I mean, it was, it was loud. And he's like, it's all right, man, we just love our kids. And it was over. See, I, you know, I'm telling you this because what I'm saying to you, if you, if you don't understand and you really don't got the, the revelation of righteousness that you possess, it almost sounds like you get permission to go and do whatever you want, and there's no consequences, and there's nothing keeping you in check, and, and you know, if you ain't got the rules and all that to keep you out of the ditch, you're going to mess up. I am filled with the Spirit of the living God. He's pretty good at letting me know when I'm in, in a bad place. And it don't take long. I don't even have to have a verse to go with it. Let me tell you something, this worked so amazingly well that when my mom and daddy got born again and I was being a fool and running the streets they, and they got the revelation of the power of God to save a family because if you believe you shall be saved, you and your house, when they begin to, to understand that and walk in maturity and that and they begin to pray and fast for me, let me tell you what began to happen to me personally as I was heading as hard as I could toward every drop of hell I could find. I would do something that I had been doing for years sin. And I would do it, and all of a sudden these weird feelings would come over me and that I could not explain, why do I feel bad for doing this? I have always done this, and it's always made me feel really good. But I feel like crap. And I couldn't, I didn't understand it, I couldn't explain it, but... I was being pursued by the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Ghost, because of the righteousness and faith of other people. And if it had that kind of effect on me from the outside, what do you think that's supposed to be like now that he dwells in me? Are you kidding me? I have to willingly step over the revelation of who he is and who I am in him to sin now. I mean, I have to just completely say, I know, but I don't care. Hey, and we all have the capacity to do that. But I ain't out there messing up. You know what I didn't have to do? When I had that, that, that scene of stupidity and I was acting like who I used to be. In Ephesians it says in chapter 5 that uh, you once were darkness. I was darkness. So were you. But now I'm light. Look what it says. You once were darkness, but now you are light not that you're in the light because you're in church not because you're part of the Christian whatever family of the world if you have Christ in you you are light and when he's in you you're not darkness no more and it's an immediate conflict when you walk in the characteristics of somebody in darkness see when that happened 
is soon. In, in 1 John, because John deals with it. John said, uh, let me go there, my tablet cut off. And then I'll say this, and then I'm going to finish. <coughs> listen, listen to 1 John, because, look, I, 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 I was talking to Rachel and Brother D the other day, and I said, you know, a lot of times when I preach, I have to spend more time telling people what I'm not talking about <laughs> than I do actually what I mean. Because you know, I, I, I just don't deal with this, some of these things on a personal level anymore. And, and, and it sounds like you're saying something you're not. And so I need everybody to understand what I'm not saying. In, in John, he says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 9, it says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When I made that mistake, I didn't have to go home and practice self-flagellation. And if you don't know what that is, that's, that's what religious people do in certain things, in orders of the world. They, they actually think if they punish themselves enough, then that'll be penance sufficient to satisfy Father for the wrong they've done. And you, you, there's Catholic priests that, that, that had the habit of doing it. They'll, they'll, they'll like take whips and whip themselves like, until they're bleeding because of them messing up and trying to make sure that Father looks at them with, with, you know, with favor or forgiveness. And so they whip themselves. What an insult to the blood of Christ yeah. and to the love of a Father that has no end. When I did that, I didn't have to go lock myself in the room and fast 40 days and hope Father wasn't going to smite me down. I instantly was convicted by the Holy Ghost. This is not who you are. Why are you acting like this? And I had a decision to respond and be free and be done and move on. And I did. And when I left that game, I was a little embarrassed that I let it get there. But I didn't feel bad. I didn't think I should quit Jesus or quit preaching, quit telling people that Jesus loved them. Because I didn't bear that no more. The righteousness of God sustains me. I don't have to go and wait for three months to get myself right enough to think maybe God will look favorable. I can do something for Jesus now. When he looks at me, he sees Jesus. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. If you've been born again. And, and you know, this is amazing, but we stay in this perpetual cycle of judging ourselves and never finding ourselves worthy enough and so we always live with our head down under condemnation thinking I'm not as good as that brother up there because that brother right there has got it going on no he doesn't I promise you he don't not like you think but the devil wants you to think that's the standard he's not the standard she's not the standard Jesus is the standard and you know what Jesus is in you now so you've met the standard and you become free to bear fruit. It's illegal for you to judge yourself in this way. I examine myself regularly. 
and make sure I'm in the right way. And if I find something that doesn't jive with who I am, it's a quick fix now. Nothing in me feels like I got permission. There ain't nothing in me thinks, God, I'm saved, I'm the righteous God, uh, let me go find another woman, and it's all going to be okay. There ain't nothing in me that thinks I, I, that that's what I want. I don't know me wants that. You know what I want? To be satisfied by the, the breast of the wife of my youth, and that's the Bible if you don't like it. To drink waters from my own cistern. To recognize that I have received a good gift from the Lord, and I don't need to go looking for nothing else. Do you understand that when you begin to accept what God has said and you render yourself to it, it releases power in your life to be who God says you are. But as you resist God, it keeps you in bondage and you never will be the mature son and daughter that God wants you to be. I'm going to end on this. It's a footnote out of the Mirror Study Bible in Hebrews 10.36. It's just a very simplistic thing. <coughs> the promise is a gift of faith and not a reward for good behavior. That's just simple. But it's the truth. Jesus sustains us in his righteousness forever. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He, it, 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 says, it says that he lives to make intercession for us. He lives to intercede for you, to put himself, and, and, and what that really means is that he lives to put himself between you and God so that when Father looks at you, he looks through the lens of Jesus. You, he sees you through the filter of Jesus, and he don't see you by yourself. He sees Jesus and you. And there's no distinguishing between the two. Jesus lives for that, it says. Man, you know how much life is in these words that God has spoke? How much freedom there is for us to not walk in besetting sins? When the devil comes to me with things that used to always trip me up and tries to present or pull me, it's almost laughable to me now in some of these areas that I for years tried to fast away and pray away and to curse and to cast down and to bind up and to lose. And all of a sudden I just started believing this is who I am. And the lie was separated from me because I took hold of the truth. And this is what happens when we allow ourselves to be rendered to God and his words over us. We step into maturity. And we, we've got to be mature for what God wants to do. We have to be mature. We've just got to believe. We just, that's what it means. we got to believe. We've got to take away all permission to doubt. Because when we do, man. We all of a sudden, we're walking with Father in, in a degree that we never intended or thought possible or even dreamed to ask for, and it just becomes an everyday reality. And this is true. I'm experiencing this in certain degrees in my life, and some people in here are too. But, you know, you should never look at the person next to you on the left or the right to decide if you're okay. 
because there's always going to be somebody further down the trail than you and somebody further behind so far as their understanding or this or that. But there's nobody ahead of you or behind you in the righteousness of Christ. We're all on the same level playing field because we've all been intertwined with the righteousness of God. And you, some of you come in here and you're beat down and you don't think you're ever going to get free and you just don't even want to try no more and you're just going to come in here and hide. And you know what? This ain't the place to hide. This is the place to be bare and let God have it because he's the only one that can remove the shame from you. And you don't have to work up for six months. It's instant. Man, I love that. See, there's some things we, we, we got to understand. See, if you can't believe that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then how are you going to believe the other things he's saying? Paul, he, he's writing a letter and he's telling them, you are the, to God, to God, you are the fragrance of Christ. <laughs> are you kidding, Brother Jim? I read that the other day, just reading through some verses, trying to get somewhere. And I, as I say, everything I read just lights up, man. It turns into notebook pages. And, and, and you know, he just makes that statement that in, in 2 Corinthians 2.14, if y'all want to look at it, it says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. See, if you don't believe Jesus is, has been intertwined in you and his righteousness is now your righteousness and God sees you that way. How in the world are you going to believe that to God you are the fragrance of Christ? You understand when I walk into the room when God takes a whiff of the air because I'm standing there he smells Jesus. How are we going to actually believe that if we think we're still dirty like menstrual rags because we're convinced that it's only our works that are going to make us get accepted by God. Until you get free of that and just surrender. This is who I am because I love Jesus and it's done. Then it becomes easy to begin to embrace the true promises of God and actually walk. I believe when I walk into a room, it can be the vilest, stinkiest, nastiest place full of sin and wickedness. But the moment I walk in there, that place lights up like Jesus. And Father looks at that place and says, my son's in there because I walked into the room. You used to be darkness, but we are light. No matter where I go in the world. It can be in a prison, it can be in a jungle, it can be in the ghetto. I don't care. The moment I walk in there, light just showed up, buddy. And hell has to back off. Because hell is darkness and darkness cannot overcome the light. And that's who I am. Why? Because you're awesome? No, because God is in me. And I am in him. It's just done. And the only reason why most people don't, don't realize that and don't see that as a reality it's not because it ain't so. It's because you just don't believe it. And so you don't expect for there to be a change when you walk in. You don't expect. Just because you show up, things got to get different. And it's, and it's, if I pray more, if I fast more, if I get some more discipleship, if I, you know, I can quit just doing these same stupid things again, then maybe. 
man, no. No. It is that because God said it. First John, he says, because as he is, so are we in the world. Man, I keep reading these little bitty things, and it's just like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? Just, just listen to the simplicity and the power of just that one statement. As he is, so am I in the world. As he is, that's who, that's, I am his representation standing on this planet. As he is, so am I on the world. And that starts the minute you believe. And buddy, you can step into the kingdom of God today and believe, and that's who you are. And if you just accept that, you know, and it's so much easier for people who have never been in church to have that revelation when they have an encounter with God. They don't have to fight through all the lies of religion that religious people have tried to put on them so they can be in the same miserable bondage. Oh, no, thank you. No, no. No. Jesus is talking to the multitudes and the messengers of John the Baptist come. And John's all confused. He, he's just, he don't understand what's going on. He's done, did everything he's supposed to do. He did it in an amazing way, and he's in jail. And Jesus is preaching. So he sends Jesus the messengers, are you the one or do we look for another? John wants to know. Jesus just begins to give him a list of things, and, and, and he, he dismisses them. <laughs> And as they turn and walk on, this is all done publicly. So John's moment of weakness is handled in front of thousands of people. The guy that stood out there on a rock and baptized people and screamed like a madman, repent, you know. This guy has his moment of weakness in front of the world. And these people are probably all thinking, yeah, we knew this guy. We knew this guy wasn't this and that probably. And Jesus just begins to address, and he makes this statement. He says that among women, there has not risen, among those born of women, there's not risen one greater than the John the Baptist. Now you just think about that list. Adam, Eve, Enoch, who walked with God and was no more. Noah, righteous man, built an ark and saved eight people when the flood came. Abraham, the friend of God, the father of faith. Elijah, the prophet. Elisha, who did double miracles. You think about the never-ending list that Jesus just put John at the top of. Don't think about you, because you judge yourself not even in that category. Jesus says, everybody who's ever been born, this guy right here, the greatest. That, that's a big deal. Dang. But then he says one more thing. But the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Not just John, Enoch, Abraham, Adam, Eve, Elisha, Elisha, Isaiah, and whoever you want to. The least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. How can that be so? That guy wore a little bit of animal skin and ate bugs. That's how much he cared about his own life. And he lived to preach the gospel. But how can, how can we be better than somebody who was that dedicated, that sold out, that rendered to what God had asked him to do? How do we get to be better than him? The blood of Jesus, the righteousness of Christ. That's how powerful it is. 
that you are distinguished beyond all of these great amazing people that we see as examples in the Old Testament to look up to we're told we're greater than them you ain't even got to be the best in the kingdom you're better than every one of them when it comes to the cleanness and righteousness that you're so eagerly trying to create on your own you're better than them just because of the righteousness of Christ that has been woven into the fabric of your being what excuse Silence the voice of the accuser in your life today. Shut his mouth with the word of God. Kick him out. Don't let him live there for free no more. The least. There ain't nobody in here is going to say they're the number one. Everybody in here will be, I'm the least. That's me. Well, then, congratulations. John comes in after you. Come on, are you kidding me? You should be shouting and crying and dancing and realizing I've been listening to a lie and I will not listen any longer. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. My life is light because he's in me now. Do it, God. Do it in the heart of every person in here. Come on, Father. Let us grow up. Let us just be done with the lies of hell, with the accusing voice. Let us take ourselves out of the seat of judgment. Man, I'm innocent because Jesus made me innocent, and that's just the end of it. I am sustained by your righteousness. Thank you that I'm just free to love you. And that produces the fruit that I'm supposed to have. Thank you, Jesus. God, let revelation set down on the hearts of your sons and daughters today. Let freedom come forth in this house and in this family. Let the maturity that you so desire to see us in begin to manifest itself because we leave believing that we just render ourselves to you and your word. Let it be so, Father. <laughs> no more listening to a lie. I am who you say I am. Nothing less. Nothing more. Just that. Thank you, Father. I just ask you to let, let your sons and daughters begin to feel the righteousness of God that, that flows through their, their being. Let them just feel something so supernatural this morning that convinces them that their blood is so mingled with the blood of Jesus in their own selves that there's just no distinguishing them from anyone. That's all we were singing earlier, talking about being drenched, I'm drenched in the love, the blood of Jesus. And we were singing, I'm like, that's so perfect because, you know, you can be wet because you had something fall on you, but when you're drenched, that means every part, it's just like you're saturated with it. And so that, that's the reality. That's the reality. I ain't got just a little bit sprinkled on me. You have been saturated with Jesus, and you can't dry out. Come on, Jesus. Y'all stand up. Let's pray.
telling you this is what we need as a family we just need to accept the truth of God you know God how amazing is that to know that for me to grow up and mature and actually start seeing the fullness of God like I keep reading about the only thing that's required of me is just to believe it's to believe action follows belief Man, that word that is used for believe, when you begin to look that thing up and how many times it's used and how many different ways in the Old Testament, it's scary. Because it says in one place, it gives a couple examples of where, where um, uh, Judah saw his daughter-in-law, but because she was dressed fully clothed uh, from head to toe in a disguise and, and for reason, he looked at her and thought, she's a prostitute. That's what it says. It looked and it, it says he thought, the same word as believe. He thought she was a prostitute. But because he believed in the way that Abraham believed, he just believed in something else. His next response was he went into her as if she was a prostitute. Because he, he surrendered, he rendered to that. Joseph uses that same word and he says, talking to his brothers in Egypt, you believed or you thought to do me harm and because they thought in that degree you know what the next thing happened they threw him in a well and sold him as a slave because they rendered themselves to the thought man render yourselves to God render yourselves to his promises in his word you want prayer come get prayer you need healing in your body come get healing come ask God to touch you you want Jesus to help you finally believe then come and just call out to God call out to God where you're at let's just begin to pray just begin to call out with your own voice you know don't 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 be condemned on any level more times than not when I'm praying to God on these things it's like God I believe but help my unbelief it's like God I believe but man help me I believe you I know this is true Help me silence the voice of this lying accuser in my ear. Help me to silence my own judging voice and just surrender to you. Do it, Father. I thank you. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your word. Holy is your name, Jesus. Holy is your name, Jesus. It's there. It's there. It's not far from you. It's not in another week or another month. It's not with more study. It's just here for you. You just got to reach and grab it. You just got to reach and believe. You just got to surrender. It's all you got to do. It's all it is. I'm telling you, it's all I'm doing in my life right now. And it's producing such change in me, such joy and peace. Man, and when I get off the trail, I'm quickly reminded by the Holy Ghost. That's not who you are, son. And I, I find the grace to respond and jump right back where I jumped off. No shame. No drawn out process. No beating myself up. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Go ahead, just sing something.
Some of you need to make steps of faith. Some of you need to get out of your seats and come to the front. Some of you need to respond. You need to make an outward motion for what you feel in your heart right now. Some of you actually have to take steps of faith and express what you feel in your heart. You need to know this is a safe place to do this. This is not the house of judgment. It's the house of celebration in life. Father, we just worship you. God, thank you this morning. God, I just thank you because I believe that you're revealing, God, our identity, Father. That you're helping those, Father, who have been lost and who have lost who they are. And you're opening their eyes, Father God. And you're showing them who they are and how much you love them, Father. And this morning, if you're having trouble believing how much Jesus loves you, I want you to just take a baby step this morning. There was this man who Jesus asked, do you believe? And he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. This morning, if you're having trouble, just say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And we are believing that God is going to speak to you and show you and just absolutely blow your mind with His goodness. Because He is so good. And you are the apple, the apple of His eye. He loves you. He absolutely loves you. Like Brother Bo was saying, I mean, powerful. We're the, we're the fragrance of the Lord to Him. We, he loves us. He loves us. so good so good we're going to pray and I'm gonna, we're going to dismiss 
And as you're leaving today, I, I want you, I'm going to give you a little homework. As you're leaving today, I want you to put into practice what Brother Bo was talking about this morning. I want you to be the light wherever you go. I want you to be the fragrance of the Lord wherever you go this morning. You know, whether it's IHOP or Longhorn or the Mexican restaurant, wherever you go, be the light this morning. Be the, fra the fragrance of the Lord this morning. Change the atmosphere wherever you go this morning. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this people. Thank you for our brother Bo, God, the apostle of this house. Thank you for him, Lord. Right now we bless brother Bo in the name of Jesus, God. We just declare that oh, greater things are ahead, God. We, we declare right now in the name of Jesus that you are just revealing even more to him, God. That you are blessing him beyond measure, Father God. That you're granting him favor in every aspect of his life, God. That you're giving him Holy Ghost ideas, Father God. That you are just doing an amazing work in his mind, God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We bless him right now as a family. We bless him, Father God. And God, we just bless uh, Pastor DJ, Lord, as he's going on vacation. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, send your angels to be all around him, God. To be with him, God. Uh, give him favor in whatever he does, God. God, we ask that you would even entertain him, God. Send angels to entertain him, that he would not even know it, God. <laughs> Put a, a Holy Ghost connection in his ways, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord. And God, I just ask for the rest of your people, God, your loved ones. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just declare that they will be sent and that they will go in the power of the Holy Ghost, that they will go in the knowledge that they are loved, God, that they are loved. And they are your children. God, protect them wherever they go as you're driving home uh, this morning. Uh, we thank you, God. And, Father, we thank you with our, with our giving as well. And we just, this morning, we present you our offering. And we just love you, God.